0: As we we find ourselves a little further into December and Christmas is approaching, probably all of us have songs that we like to listen to and Christmas films, movies that sort of uh, get pulled up on your screens as, as December 25th approaches. I don't know what your list of favorite Christmas movies are, but near the top of my list is this beautiful, really, you know, kind of deeply spiritual Christmas movie called Elf. How many of you have watched Elf? It's, it's become something of a, an institution in our house around Christmas time. And if you've never seen it, Elf tells the story of Buddy. Buddy is a, a human child raised by elves at the North Pole. And he comes to discover years later that he's not actually an elf, but actually a, a human, human being or a, a, a person. And, uh, and he sort of struggles to know what that means. Like I said, it's this really deep storyline plot. But Buddy eventually finds out that his father is uh, living in New York State and that he is this sort of powerful executive in Manhattan. One of my favorite scenes in the film is when Buddy tracks down his father for the first time and he shows up unexpectedly at his, his father's office for a visit. I want to show you that clip this morning. Yeah. Mr. Hobbs, it's me on the intercom. Go ahead. Yeah, I think someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. Uh, you look like you came from the North Pole. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. <laughs> you did? So go on. Go on with what? Well, I, are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back to work? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I, uh, I'm I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song, <laughs> and um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born, so I'm here now, I found you, daddy, and guess what, I love you, I love you, I love you! <sighs> wow, well, that was weird. Usually you guys just, uh, you know, put my name in the Jingle Bells or something. It's me, your son. Susan Wells had me, and, and she didn't tell you, and, 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 but now I'm here. It's me, buddy. Susan Wells. You said Susan Wells? Yes. Who sent this Christmas gram? What's a Christmas gram? I want one. I think we should call security. Good idea. I like to whisper too. It's okay, Walter's my father. Well, your dad's busy right now. Okay, I'll come back later. Yeah, you no know, you're not gonna come back for a while. Okay, you're gonna go back to Sandaland. Okay. Now you're all probably wondering how in the world does that have anything to do with this the stories we find in Luke's gospel. Well, as you can see, Buddy makes this unexpected visit, and he doesn't receive a particularly warm welcome at first. And as you can imagine, the rest of the movie, if you haven't seen it, is about Buddy's father sort of learning to receive Buddy, learning to a place in his life for this long-lost son he didn't know he had. It's a story about him moving from being this controlling executive ...to becoming a father who has space in his life for the unexpected. And so in many ways, Buddy comes into his life to teach his father about hospitality... ...about welcoming the deeper and more important. The stories of Luke's gospel also confront us with a series of unexpected visitors... ...surprise visitations... If you think back to last week and as we begin to look at the passage for this morning... ...the first chapter of Luke is full of stories of unanticipated babies... ...and surprising angelic visitations. And I think these stories confront us with a dilemma... ...that's kind of central to the themes of Advent. How do you prepare for what you can't see coming... How do you prepare for the... That's, that's the whole theme of Advent, right? Is God coming to his people. But that coming is, is foretold, but it's still surprising when it happens. How do we as God's people prepare for, for God turning up unannounced? And how do we practice, how do we prepare ourselves to welcome him when he comes. Last week we looked at the story of Zechariah to begin this series. And Zechariah is confronted with this surprise visitation of the angel in the temple. And given its surprising nature, Zechariah finds himself unprepared. And as a result, he's given the sentence or even we said the gift of silence to take with him for nine months so that he could make his heart ready, he could make himself ready for what God was preparing to do. But today in the stories of Mary and Elizabeth, we find very different responses, different postures. We meet two women who actually model for us what it looks like to have spirits that are ready, spirits that are hospitable to the surprising visitation of God. So my hope is that as we look into their stories this morning, we might also be made ready to welcome the Word of God in our lives. Would you pray with me as we open to Luke chapter 1, verse 26? Lord, we confess that in many ways... As Glenn said this morning, we do not always think, do not always pray and desire and remember the promise of your return, to say, come, Lord Jesus, come. But Lord, we we thank you that even so, you are a God who has made that promise. You are a God who proclaims surprising good news to us. And I pray that through the power of your word, through the power of your spirit, through the power of your song in us, that you would prepare us to be a people who delight ourselves in your coming. Lord, may the words of my mouth now as I teach and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and following. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, And then the angel left her. The first thing that strikes me about Mary's story is how unexpected the whole thing is. One moment we meet this terribly normal young woman, a girl of maybe 12 or 13 years of age, living in Nazareth, again an unremarkable place. And so we're... We're introduced with maybe one verse of background on Mary and her, her normalcy. And then in the very next moment, the angel appears and offers to her the biggest news in human history. He says, you will give birth to the Son of God. You will be mother to Israel's everlasting king. Right? The news just sort of comes out of nowhere. But apparently, that's how angelic visits go. If you look through the scriptures, they, they never call ahead. They don't send appointment cards to you like your dentist does. They just turn up. These angels armed with the plans of God and the promises of God. Can you imagine receiving that kind of news? How do you prepare yourself? How do you respond? I think if we follow Mary's example here, the first thing she does by way of response is to listen. She listens carefully to the greetings of the angel. If you look in your Bible, at, from, from verse 26 to verse 38, there's this conversation. But the conversation between Mary and the angel is Almost entirely the angel speaking and Mary listening. Mary just speaks twice, quite briefly, in that interchange. Instead, Mary takes the posture again of a listener. Before the word of God, she receives it, she absorbs it deeply into her spirit. And she hears these words of the angel who says, the Holy Spirit, Mary, will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And a child called the Son of God will be conceived in you. Mary listens and receives those words. I wonder how well we are, how, how good a job we do at welcoming God's unexpected news in our lives. When something out of the blue turns up in our life, be it news of great joy or great difficulty or great change, how do you and I respond to that news? I think in my own life, often I'm defensive, often I'm I'm skeptical, I'm guarded at change unexpected surprises. But I think the the passage here invites us to know that when when God does something in our lives that's unexpected, it's given as an opportunity for us to grow in trust, to grow in, in learning the goodness and faithfulness of our God to us, even where it feels risky. And so, confronted with the unexpected news of the angel, Incredibly, this young woman named Mary responds with radical hospitality. As we see in her reply, not only does she welcome the news of the angel, not only does she receive those promises to her, but in verse 38, she then says, "I, I will be a servant of this word. She pledges her service to the mission and the purpose of God in her life. She says, I am the Lord's servant and may your word to me be fulfilled. And that word fulfilled in Greek can can literally mean may it be conceived in me. May it be brought to birth in me. Mary welcomes the word of God not just just with this response but she literally will open her, her very life. She will open her body and her womb to, to be the place where the Word of God literally begins to take flesh and grow within her. Jesus is, is conceived in her because she is willing to welcome the Word of God, to be a servant to it. So I think Mary demonstrates a first posture, a first way of preparing ourselves for the unexpected coming of God, right? In her willingness to humble herself, to listen to the word of God, and to make herself a servant to it. And we see from Mary's willingness to receive this promise that Luke then tells us it, it prompts Mary to act on that news in a particular way. And she decides to take a trip to visit her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Look at verses 39 through 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me?" As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. "Blessed is she who has believed that the word would fulfill that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The second section of this story, again, I think, is one about hospitality and greeting and welcome. And the first question we might ask is, well, well what compels Mary in her first trimester, at, in, in the morning sickness of that first trimester, to travel 90 miles to the hill country of Judea? to visit her relative, Elizabeth. We're not really told, we can, we can only sort of speculate, but my best guess is that having received the word of God from Gabriel that concerned both her, but also Elizabeth, that, that she can't wait to go and to bring the angel's message, to bring the angel's greeting to Elizabeth herself. And so she makes the long journey through through Palestine, and she finds the home of Elizabeth. And as she steps through the door, we're told that Mary utters some kind of greeting to Elizabeth and her household. And I wonder if maybe she repeats Gabriel's words from back in verse 28, the, the message that Gabriel brought to her. I wonder if she, she steps through that doorframe and she says, Greetings, Elizabeth, you who are also highly favored, You who the Lord is also with. We don't know what Mary says by way of this greeting. But what we are told is that as soon as the words leave her mouth, a kind of chain reaction of spirit-filled responses follow. The first thing Luke tells us is that the baby, the child in Elizabeth's womb, starts leaping. And we might ask, well, why? What's that all about? Well, remember back 20 or so verses before when Zechariah is in the temple and he's told about this child, John. What does Gabriel say about him? But that John will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Hmm. Okay, here he is in utero, in Elizabeth's womb, And even now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, John can sense the presence of Jesus. Can sense his nearness to him. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, decades before John stands beside the Jordan River and and proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thirty-some years before that will take place, here are John and Jesus next to one another in utero. And even now, John is is wiggling and, and bumping and leaping around inside of Elizabeth because he is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And he has to call attention to the fact that the Lord, the King, the Messiah of Israel has entered his home in this moment. Right? Baby John greets baby Jesus and he welcomes him into his presence. And we're told then that that as the greeting of Mary rings out through the house and and the activity of John within her womb begins to stir her, Elizabeth then also becomes an instrument of the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 41 and 42. We're told that, that she opens her mouth And and through the power of the spirit that's come upon her, a string of prophetic blessings, prophetic greetings begin to spill out. And notice that where Zachariah, her husband, has been silenced in this time, through Elizabeth's faith, through the work of the spirit in her life, she is able to open her mouth and to proclaim blessing and welcome and joy in the coming of Mary and her child. She says, blessed are you among women, women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And I think in these particular verses, Luke wants to emphasize the role the Holy Spirit plays in making us ready for the coming of Jesus in our lives. He emphasizes the way that the voice of the Holy Spirit sort of cuts through all the noise and the distraction in our world so that we see and we sense and we know that Jesus is near to us, that Jesus is coming, that he's doing something new. The Spirit's work in our life is critical in preparing us for the arrival of God's work and his mission and his purposes. And while we might enjoy this story, we might might see in it something remarkable, fit for the pages of Scripture, what we might forget is that that same Holy Spirit that stirs John and that opens Elizabeth's mouth here is the Holy Spirit that has come to dwell in us today. Right, Because of the first coming, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, because of his saving power, his dying power on the the cross, his rescuing power of us today, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us. And in a way that surpasses even the measure of spirit given to Elizabeth here, you and I are pregnant with a spirit that can stir in us and cause us to notice and cause us to rejoice in God's nearness to us. And so as we think about in this Advent season, how do we prepare for the unexpected return of Christ? I think we can invite God's Spirit to stir us. We can notice, we can slow down, we can prayerfully consider where God's Spirit might be speaking and proclaiming the coming reign of Christ in particular places in our lives. So we have Mary welcoming the word of God, making space for it in her life. We have Elizabeth and John stirred by the voice of the Holy Spirit to welcome and to notice and to rejoice in the nearness of Jesus to them. And then finally, in the last piece of this story, we see the Spirit stir Mary to sing a song of her own. Verses 46 through 55. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. as he promised our ancestors he would. In the span of a few verses here, we go from the, the silencing of Zachariah, who is skeptical and unsure of the angel's words. We go from that silence to the great outburst of praise and blessing and song in Elizabeth and now in Mary. And there's a sense that it's, it's their very lives, it's their very persons that become the instruments of praise here. What does Mary say but that her soul glorifies the Lord, that her spirit rejoices in the saving power of God? Right? Mary's, Mary's very being and person resonate with this song of God's salvation. And if you look at the Magnificat here, if you look at these verses, we see that that the song comes out of a response of faith. Elizabeth, right before Mary begins to sing, praises Mary for having heard the word of God and received it in faith, having believed it. And so as, as God's word comes to her, Mary has made space for it. She has received it. And by receiving it now, it comes back out of her in singing and in rejoicing. And we're not told why God chooses Mary to, to bear the Christ child. But, but I think it, it's, not, it's not because she has some great and exceeding level of righteousness. It's not because of some accomplishment of hers. But I think simply because her spirit and her soul Resonate with, they deeply desire what God wants to do, not just in her and through her, but but in Israel and among the nations. Right? Mary is able to say, I have set my hope. I have set my desire on who my God is and on the promises he's made to his people. And we see her sing of those promises in this song. My hope is in the promise God made to Abraham, and then God made to Sarah, and God made to Ruth, and God gave to Isaiah, and now God has given that promise to me, the promise of his salvation. And so if if we consider, well, how do we prepare, how do we respond to the coming reign and rule of God in our world? I think we might ask, well, do our lives sing in the same way Mary's does, with with the hope and the trust and the longing for these promises, for God to do these things? Do we long, as verses 51 and 52 say, for God in his mighty strength to scatter and to bring down the proud and, and the rulers of our world, so that he might instead lift up the humble and then he might feed those who are hungry for the things of his kingdom. Right? Our, our souls can magnify the Lord when we remember where, where true power, where true strength resides in this world. Right? Not in affluence, not in great strength, not in pride, but in a humble trust of who Yahweh is, who the, who the Redeemer truly is. And as Mary's song goes on, we come to see that it's, it's not just her own song, but it's a song that's meant to belong to all the people of God. Right? She ties it backward to the generations that have been before her. And there's a sense that, that we get tied into this song too, because we are now the people in whom Christ dwells, just as he dwells in Mary. Right? We carry within us, as Paul will say, To the Galatians, a Christ who is being formed, who is being birthed, who who is being delivered into existence into our lives. And so the songs of Christ's power, the songs of Christ's redemption are meant to be on our lips as well. And so as you go into the week ahead, I I challenge you last week to try to set some time aside to be silent to meditate on the the promises of God in silence. As you go into this week, I'd encourage you, again, to to take Elizabeth and to take Mary's story as, as an example of how to make our hearts ready. Firstly, by listening, by becoming a servant to the Word and the promises of God. Open up to these great Advent passages of Scripture. The Old Testament prophets and to take those words and say, I am a servant to this promise. I welcome it in my life. Be made ready in that way. Be made ready by noticing the voice of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, stirring within you a recognition of where God is present, where God is at work. And then finally, allowing that work of God in your life to cause you to sing, to celebrate to rejoice, to open your mouth in praise, to notice and to set your hope in the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ, both now and in the kingdom he is bringing yet to come. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the faith of these two women who welcomed your plan who welcomed even the surprise of your Spirit's visitation. Thank you for their rejoicing. Lord, I pray that this body of people here in Jericho, that my heart and their hearts and our hearts together would be eager to welcome you in everything you desire to do. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.